Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 52 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain. I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, big-breasted, anthropomorphised hippo. (laughs) Hello, how are you, sir? I'm alright, how are you? I'm fine, reeling from that introduction from yourself there. Um, (laughs) How has your week been? It's been okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very busy, incredibly busy, head-swimmingly busy. More in terms of my personal life at present, it's an absolute whirlwind madness okay but uh yeah it's been okay i've still managed to squeeze in little bits and bobs here and there um, can you elaborate just very quickly i checked out arrow videos uh release of crimson peak oh nice okay cool yeah, um they've done a brilliant job it's one of the most i think it's one of the most beautiful packages that they've, they've put out okay just as a kind of standalone uh-huh purchase yeah yeah it's kind of presented in this kind of book format it opens up and then you pop another book out and the discs underneath and the artwork's absolutely stunning the film i've always been a bit i'm cold in the film co- i am a bit cold on the film i think it does some excellent stuff right towards the end ah uh, yeah like i it kind of starts to lose me particularly as it kind of uh, as it amps up Oh really? Yeah, yeah, but no, it's it's not a film I've ever been kind of crazy about. It was one of those things where I felt like it was one of those Guillermo del Toro films where everyone says, "Doesn't it look amazing though?" It's a substitute for saying anything else good about it. But doesn't it look amazing though? It does, yeah. But I mean, you know, so what? But then I get the impression you've been quite cold historically on Guillermo del Toro films. You, you know what? Full, you know, you're probably right. Right? Okay. Because I know you're not a big fan of The Shape of Water. I hate The Shape of Water. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, <laughs> I didn't know it was quite to that level. Yeah. No, can't be doing with it. I uh, liked Pan's Labyrinth. Right, okay. Didn't care for Pacific Rim. Well, you're, you're not alone there. No one really did. <laughs> yeah. One thing I will say is I don't like Charlie Hunnam, and he keeps casting Charlie Hunnam and stuff. Yeah, not a fan either, actually. No, yeah. no. So is that the only ones you've seen then? What about the Hellboy films? I haven't seen the Hellboy films, no. Right. Or um, uh, The Devil's Backbone. Or Kronos. Have you seen Kronos? No. That early stuff's amazing. I was going to say, I've also got no business sitting here making generalisations about Game of the Thrones. That's fair. <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, but this but this particular package comes in peak. Uh, if you're a fan of the film, worth checking out then. Yeah, and it's actually on a pretty good price just now in like FOP. FOP okay. in the UK has it, I think, for 20 quid. Cool. And it's it's well worth it if you like the film or even if you're remotely interested in the film. Because mm-hmm. it's absolutely packed with stuff, including director's commentaries from Del Toro himself. Nice, nice, um, nice. So it's worth a, uh, worth a peek. Cool. Hey. Hey, see what I did there? I see it, I see it. Anything else? Uh, yeah, I hopped on to Shudder. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this a couple of times over the past few weeks, but I hadn't actually seen it prior to today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I checked out Jen Wexler's The Ranger. Ah, our old pal Jen Wexler. Yeah. Um, so a directorial debut landed on Shudder this past Thursday. It did, yes. Uh, featuring also a production from our pal Heather Buckley. Uh, from episode 10 of this show. That's correct, Mitch. Well done. Uh, so, The Ranger, right? So, I obviously, I caught this um, opening Fright Fest up last year. That's correct, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I quite liked it. I was pretty into it. Um, what did you make of it? I was quite into it as well. I, th- I feel that there's moments in it, and um, I don't mean this in a particularly negative way at all, but I feel that there's moments in it where it's 
kind of feels apparent as a first feature. Okay, yeah. But yeah. that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, there's absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. No. I think Chloe Levine gives a really good performance. Chloe Levine's great in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think Jeremy Holm. Jeremy Holm, yeah. As the ranger himself. Yeah. Is really good. Yeah, I like him. There's, he's the right kind of... It's quite an over-the-top performance, uh, but weirdly also quite subdued. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think that also it's kind of like it's uh, him being given quite a lot of rain with a character that's quite well written. Aye, uh, and I think that's the, that, that's the thing. I think the dialogue is written in an over-the-top way, mm-hmm. but it's not delivered as such. It's actually delivered quite matter-of-factly and quite plainly. Yeah. And I really like that. There's also some pretty nice, cool, gory stuff going on in here. Yeah, some pretty sweet kills in there. Uh, one bear trap bit in particular sticks in my mind, <laughs> which uh, I was pretty fond of. Yeah, but I would say check it out. I, I, I had a relatively good time with it. I had fun with it. Yeah, I think that there's um, I think that there's certainly enough interesting stuff going on there for me to keep an eye on what everyone in it does next. Yeah, I like the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, very cool, yeah, very yeah. cool. Absolutely teeming with good punk stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So is that your lot for this week? More or less, Mitch, mm-hmm. if I'm honest with you. That's okay. I uh, haven't had room for much. I've been, I've, I've actually, I've been off work this week, but I've been busy. I've been away. Yeah, you've been in Manchester. Yeah, I had a wee, a wee break to Manchester with a couple of my friends. Um, went to see the band Spanish Love Songs, who I've mentioned a couple of times on here. They are, they are very, very good. They, yeah, they were absolutely brilliant. Um, that's not horror related, but that was something that I saw this week. A Spanish Love Songs gig, and they were class. Um, cool. <laughs> however, outside of that. Now, I did mention this last week that um, I started talking about the fact that pre-slasher reinvention 90s horror was something that I was going to take a look into ah, right, okay. a little more. Is this your newest project um, now that we're getting into the kind of final third of the Shotwaves 100? It's um, kind of, it's maybe something that, yeah, it's not going to be something that I'm going to announce as a feature or anything, but it's maybe <laughs> just, um, it's like an avenue that I'm going to just take a little bit of a closer look at. <laughs> And basically, a dip, a dip of the toe. Exactly, yeah. And I think that um, I did mention it last week. I think that the reason that I've decided to focus on this era is because I feel like, and this was off the back of Lord of Illusions. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was like people were making kind of crazy stuff at that point, and because horror at the time didn't really have a zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't shackled to anything particularly trendy or any movements. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I headed to 1992, I believe, um, for Sleepwalkers this week. Mick Garris's Sleepwalkers. Mick Garris's adaptation of Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. Yes. Well, I don't think it's an adaptation. I think oh right. Okay. Stephen King wrote it specifically for the screen. Oh right. Okay. Yeah, I could be wrong there. No, uh, no, feel no, free no, to co- Yeah, feel free to correct me, yeah. listeners. Uh, or Mick Garris himself, who I noticed had Stephen King on his show this week. Mm, yeah, which yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Uh, yeah, Sleepwalkers, uh, very much a game of two halves for me. Mm-hmm. I think that the first half, where you have the kind of uh, the uh, incestuous cat people, um, <laughs> but they're introduced in a way that where that's where that's taken pretty seriously and played pretty straight. And I think that it's got this kind of, um, you know, the kind of unusual situation in this reluctant but necessary keeper. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. In this, in the same way that reminds me of um, the opening little bit of Let the Right One In, mm-hmm. when you had the guy who had to go out and kill people for the vampire. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the first 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, it's that. Um, and I, I quite like that. And I think that you have this kind of like fairly kind of gritty survival horror thing almost of this crazy race of people who are doing what they need to do or the last of this race of people mm-hmm. doing what they need to do to survive. And I think that the tone of the film turns on an absolute sixpence about halfway through the scene with uh, Charles, the protagonist, and uh, his girlfriend, Tanya, in the graveyard, or whatever it is, the pic- the, where, 
when they go for the, where they go for the picnic anyway. Yeah. Um, it immediately gets extremely cartoony and camp and silly. I don't mind that. I don't mind style changes and tone changes, but I think that it's so sudden and so egregious and it undercuts so much of the seriousness of the first half that I think it just kind of wanders away from itself in a way that it doesn't really ever recover from. Are you talking about goofy cat heads and yeah. like humanoid cat faces and weirdness? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, obviously I understand by the kind of very nature of this that that was going to be an element of it, you know, like by necessity. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, it all felt completely off, but like completely off-piste in a way that didn't land for me at all. I think the cat heads when like, you know, you know there's a bit where um, I think it's Charles is in the car. Mm-hmm. And his head changes into a cat. Yes. In the car. Yep. It has a weird smile, like this weird face, and it always consistently makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the 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 kind of cat head masks makeup make me laugh all the time. Every time I watch Sleepwalkers, it pulls me out. Actually. That probably yeah probably doesn't do it any favors. I think <laughs> like because I, I would agree. There's a couple instances like that for me as well. And also just like a lot of characters are given kind of like action hero one liners at really weird points. Yeah, and stuff like that, and um, yeah, there's just like, a lot of things. Like I said, I just, I just got yanked out of it about midway through, and um, once I was out, I couldn't find a road back in. Basically. Some incredibly jarring sound design in the last ten, fifteen minutes as well. Um, <laughs> not one to listen to on headphones because the mewling of cats will drive you insane. Yes, yeah, and I was listening to it on headphones, um, and it did drive me insane. So keenly observed. Um, so my uh, ongoing struggle to watch something that is not shite continues. Oh no. Um, but well, it's not shite. You know what I mean. Some that I can kind of come away and be really kind of raving about. That's my homework for this week. Isolate something good and watch it. So all you've all you've watched this week was, was Sleepwalkers. Well, there was one more, but it falls under a very specific category. Ah, do 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 do. Mitch, what's the Shockwaves one hundred? I have been watching the Shockwaves one hundred this week, and it was with your assistance. Naturally. Yeah, because I was away, I couldn't fit one in kind of on my own time. So uh, just when I arrived here today, again for date stamp purposes, this is a Saturday afternoon. Another blazingly warm. Yeah, Sorry, it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Um, <laughs> what better time to sit indoors and record? Um, <laughs> I feel like actually that I'm in, at risk of uh, picking up some mild sunburn on my forehead. It's feeling, <laughs> it's feeling quite warm. Um, but yeah, you were kind enough to uh, look at Night of the Creeps. Yes, Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps. What did you think of it, Mitch? Did you enjoy it? Thrill me. I, <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, I like this quite a bit. Yeah, it's. Um, I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, it was kind of over the top in a way that um, really appeals to me. That kind of exaggerated, <laughs> kind of exaggerated, kind of uh, college. Did you get a load of the nerd type dialogue? Um, <laughs> I, like, those kind of things. Get out of here, point Dexter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've got a weird kind of. Uh, like that kind of thing kind of tend to gravitate towards it for some reason so yeah I enjoyed it quite a bit I think um, a lot of the kind of practical stuff is really entertaining makes you laugh at points when it's supposed to and stuff like that like don't think it takes itself particularly seriously and is all better for it no 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 no. and an absolutely show stealing performance from Tom Atkins Tom Atkins long time darling of the show (laughs) Um, we got a lot of love for Atkins on here yeah killing it once again no I liked it a lot I am going to try and maybe pivot to something a little bit more serious Right, yeah. This week, something a little yeah, bit more uh, furrowed brow and beard strokey. Yeah, we were talking through some other possibilities. Yeah, because there is some dark shit left on that list. Oh, the, yeah, it's getting increasingly more and more dark, actually. Mm-hmm. The stuff that's kind of left. Like, I noticed Possession was still hanging about there. Jacob's Ladder was still hanging about there. And Cannibal Holocaust, which I've threatened to force upon you several times, is still there. So. Yeah, you've been quite insistent on watching that with me. We should have watched that today. Are you going to do a time-lapse reaction video for me <laughs> when I watch it? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe who knows what I'll do. Um, I don't know what I'll do from minute to minute. Uh, <laughs> I suppose not. I've got that to look forward to. <laughs> 
so that concludes my foray into the Shockwaves 100 this week. So... What have they been saying? It's feedback time, and unsurprisingly, the lion's share of the feedback does fall with Meet the Feebles. Big thank you to uh, co-directors of Top Knot Detective Aaron McCann and Dominic Pierce joining us this past week to talk Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles. Yep, and I have concluded my self-flagellation at the fact that I fucked up the sound a little bit, Uh, so apologies to anyone who was aggrieved about that. And we had literally no complaints, so um, <laughs> so I, I think you're in the clear. Um, so I do have some stuff on Meet the Feebles, which I can start with if you would like. Might as well. Let's get let's get into Meet the Feebles. Okay, um, I've got one or two. Kevin Matthews on Facebook. So many amazing quotes slash sound bites in this episode. So many things Mitch never imagined he would have to say in his entire life. This <laughs> <laughs> is certainly true. Hopping on to Instagram, Justin McConnell got in touch. You may remember Justin joined us very very recently to talk Ice Cream Man. Yeah, episode forty nine. Yeah. He says, now that's an excellent choice. Doesn't need defending in my honest opinion, but looking forward to this ep. I showed the Vietnam deer hunter spoof scene to my class as part of a project presentation when I was in high school. It went over weird. <laughs> it's a gutsy move, I'll say that much. Very much so, yeah. And uh, on the same, just under that comment, we have uh, Back on Track Living, which is our old pal Boz, mm-hmm. getting in touch to say, oh god, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a cat fucking a walrus. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play, I suppose. Uh, Dave Cooper, Deluxe underscore man on Twitter. I pretty much agree with Mitch after today's episode on Meet the Feebles. After watching, I wasn't sure about it, but after hearing more about it, I think it's got a lot to love in there. I wish Peter Jackson would return to his roots just once. Also worth noting, the theme has been on a loop in my head for the last few days. It is slowly driving me to madness. It will do that. It will do that. It will do that, but Dave, at least it's not Garden of Love. (laughs) You've got such a fucking downer for Garden of Love. Yeah, I really don't like it. I really don't like it at all. You got anything else to Meet the Feebles? Yeah, John McPhail. Ah, hey, John. Uh, Worrying Drake, getting in touch to say, I cannot wait for this episode. Two of my favourite guys talking with my other two favourite guys. Oh, I don't mind which half of that I'm in. No, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm fine with either side of that. Uh, staying on Twitter, uh, Panda, prettiest dunce. Meet the Feebles is such an amazingly bad movie. I had so much love for it, but those sequels with Ben Stiller and Robert De Niro really ruined the franchise for me. Ah, <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> oh, how droll. <laughs> uh, still on Twitter, Ross McIntyre at Sane underscore man getting in touch to say, I cannot wait for Strong Violent PC to discuss Meet the Feebles. Saw this a few years back and loved it. Even the Vietnam flashback, which most certainly would have to be changed slightly for today's standards. Incredibly shocking. Hashtag popping my cookies. <laughs> Grim. <laughs> uh, Such a bletch. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Keeping it in the family, Dr. Lauren McIntyre also got in touch, just saying, well, that was a lot to take in, and more puppet tits. <laughs> which is becoming a weirdly recurring theme. Yeah, Lauren, uh, full of comments this week, actually, because she reached out again about Lord of Illusions. Okay. Just to say, fuck me, I struggled with that. Oh, really? Oh, well. <laughs> the story more than anything the actors were doing. Uh, having said that, some of the makeup effects were pretty good, and someone somewhere needs to start cosplaying Butterfield immediately. Yeah, I hear that. I don't have any more on Lord of Illusions, but I do have um, Darren Gaskell, Darren underscore Gaskell, getting in touch on Twitter to discuss uh, The Curse of La Llorona, which I uh, got fairly animated about last week. Yeah, you did not enjoy The Curse of La Llorona. Did not care for it, neither did Darren. La Llorona was very weak beer indeed. How many attempted jump scares? <laughs> Way too many. Linda Cardellini is really good in this, gives the material a performance it doesn't deserve, which I wholeheartedly agree with. She's really good in it. A couple of people are really good in it, and it's just an absolute lame duck. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, if anything, my disdain for it has grown. 
You heard it here first, folks. It's a lame duck. <laughs> but a lame duck, I noticed that it accidentally played in place of uh, Detective Pikachu at a cinema in America. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always wonder what that happens. You know, when you hear about parents being outraged because their kids saw, like, a bit of a horror film or something instead of a kid's film. I was like, how long were you watching it before you took your kid out of the theatre, is my question. <laughs> well, I was reading the thing about this uh, incident in question, and uh-huh. I noticed that um, prior to uh, the Curse of La Llorona starting, obviously, let's not forget, it was supposed to be Detective Pikachu. Yeah. The trailers beforehand were for Joker, Annabelle Comes Home. <laughs> okay. And uh, Child's Play. Right, okay. So, <laughs> I don't know at which point during that kind of triad of trailers would you think, hmm, these don't seem very child-friendly. Yeah, I think I would have smelled a rat before then. I, but like I say, these things have happened before and I always think it's funny when someone's like, I sat with my kid for a quarter of an hour and then we realised that we weren't watching fucking Bridge to Terabithia so I took them outside and shouted about it. <laughs> Nobody went to see Bridge to Terabithia. <laughs> don't talk shit. I don't know why I went to that I, first. Neither did I, but certainly no one saw it in the cinema. I could have picked any kid's film for the last ten years for that reference. Why did I go... Now, it doesn't matter. Um, wow. I have got um, a couple more little things. Well, one more in particular, and it's just um, a general catch-up from Dennis Extra Atherton, Den's Beans on Twitter. Right. Um, saying, uh, I'm a bit behind film-wise, but heard all the podcasts, of course, so thanks for that. But he's in the process of catching up with some of the films that we've covered for recent episodes. And uh, on the evening that he sent us this, he was settling in for an evening of uh, Ice Cream Man. Ah, right. So I uh, hope right. you enjoyed that, Dennis. And he said that next on the list after that was uh, Devil's Advocate. So uh, untold pleasures awaiting. It's uh, quite a leap from Ice Cream Man to Devil's Advocate, I've yes. got to say. Yeah, pretty <laughs> hefty tonal shift, I've got to say. Um, uh, that's just about it from me. You got anything else? I've got one last piece. Of, well, it's, it's actually quite timely, seeing as we're about to move on to Mitch's Pitches. Okay, cool. Um, Kim Morrison got in touch. Hi, Kim. At Wicked Sister 69, just to say, peak embarrassment today as Rhubarb and Mince's pitch... That's uh, Tony Constantino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, long-time pitcher. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Tony's pitch apparently hit just as Kim was getting off the bus, and uh, she just laughed directly into the bus driver's face at one of the character names when I was trying to say thank you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm at a loss to remember what the hugely funny character name was. Uh, Gypsy Buckets. That'll be it. Yep, that'll be the one. <laughs> uh, speaking of which... It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone of a horror movie poster from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and any identifying text, such as taglines and so on, leaving only the image. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and also give the film, where possible, a title and a synopsis. We'll also put that all over our social media so you can play along at home. And a whole bunch of you did this past week. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Busy um, old week? Last week we had Scream and Scream again, reappropriated by me as Burn After Breeding. Um, a bunch of people getting in touch, <laughs> and to the point that actually there are too many. Oh, to, fuck. Um, I, I, I kind of had to edit down. So if you pitched and, we don't, and doesn't make it to the list, don't take it personally. It's just that we had a crazy amount this week. So yeah, a bunch to get through. So let's get in amongst them. Okay, so Cosmic Ray Girl on, uh, on Twitter. Right, yeah, sure. Uh, Susie Swallows swims in the shallowy depths of the Swanee River. Things take a toxic turn when her skin peels off. Tune in next week for 1972's River Deep Body Count High. I quite, I quite like that title. Yeah, quite into that as well. <laughs> Um, enjoying this strictly functional approach from uh, Hanny underscore Ray. Don't mess with the absinthe fairy in a vat of liquid death. <laughs> 
Uh, Chris Salt at Obwong Pictures on Twitter. When toxic chemicals find their way into the water supply of the sleepy town of Passwater, the <laughs> resident's urine turns dangerously acidic. It's up to local doctor Red Johnson to find a way to balance the pH <laughs> before it's too late. <laughs> In number one slasher, Death Pool, Lake of Fiery Piss. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I like Red Johnson. Yeah, same. Uh, James Patrick Duffy. All right, okay. Hi, James. Hi, James. The year is 2004, and the world has been inevitably torn apart by the fallout from the death of Sarah Green in Ghostwatch. (laughs) In an alternate dystopian universe created by this destruction, all rules of society are executed by the BBC (laughs) in order to stop such horrendous outcomes from ever reoccurring. In order to curb this Earth's rebellious youth, all children's television is now used to control the masses through fear. One such young lady, the eternally innocent Senga McLeod, has but one vice, her mobile device, and more specifically, her MySpace account. It is 2004. Sure, yeah, yeah, of course. In an attempt to remedy her addiction, her father Bobby and mother Morag have put her forward for a long-running children's game show. Unfortunately for Bobby and Morag, this game show takes its role as a corrector of apparent sins very seriously, and there are horrific consequences when poor young Senga's game requires her to retrieve her phone from the bottom of a pool of acid. To one last friend for Tom, as we make a date with Dave Benson Phillips, 2006, <laughs> get your phone back. <laughs> A uniquely British reference there. Yeah, it's very much so. Thank uh, you, James. Feel free to Google get your own back. Uh, Mark Logan coming in a little bit punchier. Waiter, there's a corpse in my soup. <laughs> Kevin Matthews. I always get titles with the words scream in them mixed up, but think this is the enjoyably daft scream and scream again. Correct. 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 Um, another another, uh, another accomplishment for which you win nothing. <laughs> um, successfully identifying the film. Bragging oh, rights. Or is it, judging from the image, the tale of a poor lab assistant who's been held back in his work for years? Dreaming of being the head honcho, poor Dudley spends his days working with giant jars of human liquid waste. It's the daily total emissions from the local farm animals, supposed to be put through rigorous testing every day to make sure nothing's polluting the animals. When he cracks, Dudley decides to take his frustrations out on the local farm, blaming the staff who work there for the constant supply of piss that keeps him company every hour of the day. Knocking out his victims, he drags them back to drown them in his oversized sample jars. The screen will run yellow, be sure not to eat too much asparagus, and get ready to experience the demented Andy Milligan horror hit of 1980, Now You're In Trouble. Wow. <laughs> Um, nice reference to Andy Milligan there not a lot of people are going to know who Andy Milligan is I certainly don't yeah Uh, uh, Mark Davies acid drops you know for kids (laughs) Uh, Stephen Wales a young person pushed up to double D's inherits a cosmetic shop only to find that sinister supernatural forces are at work and responsible for the highly lethal products in 1983's summer gore-tacular hit Blood, Baths and the Beyond ah (laughs) like that plenty yes yes I'm into that Uh, Ian Mc... (laughs) Uh, Ian McMillan, the nippy hole tagline. It's a bit nippy. <laughs> I really hope you're going to see Ian McShane. <laughs> uh, Kenneth Dow on Instagram. Tommy forgot to check before he checked out, but who will be next? 1975's Bath Trauma. Oh, right, sure. Uh, Doc Craig Fitness, Acid Trip. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that plenty. And finally, Tony Constantinou. Right then. In the heart of the Atlantic Ocean, the deep-sea research vessel, the USS Corpulence, has been tasked with searching for a cure to the world's greatest known killer, diabetes. But on the brink of a major <laughs> scientific breakthrough, lead scientist Professor Dusty Carpets is found drowned in a vat of acid. Was this an accident? Or could someone have infiltrated the Corpulence to sabotage the research? As tension among the crew runs high and bodies begin to pile up, all hope now rests with the ship's intrepid leader, Captain Colostomus Bag. <laughs> Tell me bags get two G's. It does indeed. <laughs> to right the ship once more and administer preventative action to the insidious intruder's insolence. <laughs> In 1978's Sebotage. 
A situation critical. Jesus Christ. The blood sugar is at a boiling point and the risk of death by diabetes have just increased by one maniac. <laughs> that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week, or at least the listener portion. Wow, that do you know it never ceases to amaze me how much effort people put into these, how much creativity is out there among the people that are listening to yep. this show that they take the time to write something as intricate as these people have done. Yes, yep. yep. Um it's superb. Keep it up. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. But there can only be one winner. There can only be one winner. And I'm going to give it to uh, whoever came up with the name Red Johnson. Uh, Red Johnson. That is uh, Chris Salt. Yes, Chris Salt. You are the winner because I found it quite funny that Red Johnson was the name of someone who was investigating stinging urine. Yep. Very clever. (laughs) Enjoy that plenty. Yep. Chris Salt, well done. You win nothing. Yep. It's winging its way to you now. Should be arriving with you in the next couple of minutes. However, now the image is coming across to you. You might find that it's somewhat familiar to an image that we've done previously. Okay. Now, I don't want to lead you down any other roads, Mitch. I don't want you to be. I don't really want you looking for franchise potential necessarily. But it's just a heads up that there are similarities to a certain image that we've we've we've, we've done before. Duly noted. No, it's on its way to you now. It's arrived. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely some good stuff going on here. Now, Mitch, I'm going to ask you. What's going on in the background? Very little, Andy. <laughs> Very little. The background is completely black. I have got uh, no read on a location at all here. We have a woman who I think it is fair to say is in a state of some distress. Yeah, she certainly seems to be. Um, she's holding a phone to her ear, um, but I think that whatever she's talking about on the phone is at least of her worries because she is also being attacked by a giant flaming cockroach. <laughs> And that is about it. Yep, but the massive uh, plume of smoke coming off the back of the cockroach. But yep, a uh, flaming cockroach on a phone receiver um, being held by a screaming woman. Yes, uh, you have had all the all the salient details there. Thanks very much. Um, that was uh, that was faster than I realised. I'm definitely going to need some time. <laughs> This had nothing to do with the insect and the image whatsoever. <laughs> it was just about a woman on the phone. Okay. Like scream or when a stranger calls. <laughs> okay, I can confirm that the roaches do do figure in well, roaches uh, plural. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. In uh, in my See? in my final answer, I'm just just about there. I know I'm, I know I'm stalling frauds a little bit here, but bear with me. <laughs> Andy, look over there. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think that you might like the story idea for this. Throw me. Here we go. When 95% of the world's population is decimated by a nuclear blast, a handful of survivors in the sleepy Midwestern town of Vagrant's Nuke gather in the... (laughs) (laughs) gather in the bomb shelter of eccentric neighbour and Vietnam veteran Rags McGuffin. Without enough provisions to feed the seven survivors for long, they desperately call random numbers in an attempt to contact other survivors in other parts of the world. What follows are the stories of other survivors from all corners of the globe and how they reckon with the threat above ground. For the old adage is true, the roaches have survived. And as if that wasn't enough, they're flaming mad and out for blood in 1978's dystopian anthology, The Cockroach Chronicles, The Infestation Manifestation. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm into this. Yeah, it's only my better yeah, ones. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem to have uh, bucked up your ideas for yeah, this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like I've been a little bit blocked recently. All right, okay. Yeah. And do you feel that like that block's perhaps lifting somewhere? I, I mean, you. I mean, I'm, it's it's not well, for me to say. You've heard it, Andy. You've heard the, my uh, incredible. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, that's not for me to speculate on. Um, but yes, the Cockroach Chronicles, the infestation manifestation. Well, it sounds a bit like the plot for the video game Fallout. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, at oh. first, I thought you were really going to get there. Really? To begin with, yeah. Okay. So the film is Janot Swark, who did uh, Jaws 2. Okay. Uh, he was a director of Jaws 2, and he did a film in 1975 called Bug. Bug, okay. And tell me about Bug. Yeah, here we go. So this is by Ross Horsley uh, on IMDb. Right. Thanks for this, Ross. An earthquake releases a strain of mutant cockroaches with the ability to start fires, which proceed to cause destructive chaos in a small town. Vagrant snook. Yeah. The studies carried out by scientist James Parmeter reveal an intent with much more far-reaching consequences. I see. The Cockroach Chronicles. Cockroach Chronicles. Aye, um, yeah, I'm going to give myself a half point for that one. I think that's not a bad I think that's fair. Yeah, Yeah. I think you've earned it. That concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. That image is once again everywhere, so uh, get involved, get pitching, and we'll be reading them out next week, picking our favourite once again. Yep. Um, So, just a quick pop on to discuss some horror news. Yeah, there's a couple of things this week that I wanted to touch on. You go first. Uh, let's talk about It Chapter 2 mm. The trailer for which just dropped the other day Yeah, so this is coming in September of this year Yes, and it's going to be an absolute box office smash without a doubt Yeah, so um, yeah, we get our first real look at that this week with the trailer And um, yeah, I think, we, I think we're I um, think we coming up on different sides of the line on this one Yeah, it didn't really do a massive amount for me So, um, just for anyone that hasn't seen it, basically you have most of a scene Yeah, we have a protracted excerpt from a scene involving Beverly Marsh returning to her childhood home Yeah, played here by uh, Jessica Chastain Of course, yeah And, yeah, I think that this when she goes home and you see her talking to this old woman I think that it shows you enough to get you curious But not enough to ruin whatever happens next in that scene Too much CG scuttling It's a machete film though but, like, like, At this point, I'm just kind of, I just kind of know that that's going to be part of it Right um, but so you get that exchange and then it goes into some pretty feverish stuff after that with a lot of kind of, of what looks like it's going to be some of the film's more extreme scenes yeah yeah I, um, I'm feeling pretty good about this I really liked the first one I really liked chapter one I thought it was great and as you know I was a little bit colder on it mm-hmm. than that I liked it fine yeah yeah I, I, I'm really into it what I think about the second one is and this could be completely unfounded completely baseless but um, I am a little bit kind of not put off but just kind of side-eyed the fact that they have cast so many notables in yeah. the lead roles here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean you've got uh, James McAvoy's in there we've mentioned Jessica Chastain yeah Bill Hader Bill Hader uh, James Ransone yeah um, so a lot of I mean uh, a lot of people that whose work I like so I probably shouldn't complain about it mm-hmm but at the same time, I don't know, I'm just like say I just uh I'm kinda just keeping that element of it at arm's length. There's right. just something about it. I kinda wish that it had been less established actors. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But we'll see. Um and all of the revealed come September. Yeah, there's some pretty cool imagery in the trailer as well. Some uh, Beverly Mars splashing around a big giant uh which looks like a lake of blood. Yeah. I I, I think that all that stuff looks really good. And yeah, I think it's it's out there now. If you haven't seen the trailer, check it out. Get in touch, let us know what you think. I um, wanted to touch on one other thing right. that I wanted to touch on. Um, bit of news coming out just in the, towards the end of the week. The UK Horror Festival Grimfest. Oh, right, okay. I am a, I am alumni. Oh. 
Very good. Or an alumnus? I don't know. An alumnus, singular, yeah, yes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are launching a production company. I saw this. Yeah, this yeah. is kind of news rocketing into Cannes this week. Yeah, Grimfest Films. Um, and uh, one of the first projects on their slate is apparently Jason Lee Howden's Deathgasm Part 2. I saw this. Yeah, I saw this. So this is pretty exciting. Uh, Deathgasm, of course, uh, 2015, that originally surfaced. Um, I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I like Deathgasm a lot. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, more blood, more guts, more metal incoming. And hopefully more uh, demon zombie type things being battered to death by black dildos. Yeah, ideally. I mean, I like, I'd, I'd like some more of that, yeah. <laughs> Can uh, you ever get enough? <laughs> I wouldn't really? say so. I mean, uh, no, but I think that's really cool news across the board. I think it's nice that obviously, like a Deathgasm sequel has been vaunted for a little while. Yeah. Um, but it's cool to see uh, that starting to take a little bit more shape, and also just really cool to hear about Grimfest films as well. Yeah, that that is pretty that is pretty cool. I mean, obviously they've put out a lot of their own films, like they put out Habit and um, White Settlers and stuff, which mm-hmm. was directed by the festival director. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's it's cool to see them kind of expanding that and trying to do things kind of out with the kind of little Grimfest bubble and. Bring other people in yeah it feels like a natural next step yeah i think it's i think it's a really good idea it's a really positive idea and some of the filmmakers and projects that are on that original that first slate are are really impressive yeah i mean i think that um a lot of stuff in there looks really really interesting so really really uh really really cool news also just want to take a look uh quickly again at some stuff that is uh coming to the streaming platforms this week right Again, Amazon not really uh, not really piling it on with the new horror on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, from May sixteenth, you've got Punisher and Punisher Warzone. The Punisher Warzone is fucking amazing. So uh, yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll both be there uh, from like kind of midweek. Uh, from today on Shudder. Uh, yeah, as you're listening to this, hopefully uh, on a Monday. Yeah, um, exists and uh, the Pact from twenty twelve both um, right, okay. uh, making an appearance. And uh, I, wouldn't that's... Give, I wouldn't give much time to the Pact. <laughs> I don't really remember the pack. Yeah, it's pretty shit. I remember seeing it at the time, but I remember very little about it. Netflix, um, on the 21st of May, you've got Jonathan, uh, which has apparently previously been known as Duplicate. Right, okay. Um, which is, uh, that's coming on. That is, uh, the synopsis there is, Jonathan leaves the office every day at noon. When he gets home, he goes to sleep. Every morning he wakes up and there's a breakfast prepared for him, along with a video telling him about the second part of his day. So you've got uh, <laughs> two brothers that share a body, basically. I made a film that sounds a bit. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds a little bit more like kind of on, uh, kind of on the sci-fi tip. I would yeah, say. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, sounds like an episode of Black Mirror. It does a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's coming, and uh, that stars really interesting cast on this one. Actually, you've got Ansel Elgort from uh, Carrie from Baby Driver, things like that. Also, a Suki Waterhouse in there, most recently uh, discussed on this show because of Assassination, Assassination Nation. Nation. yeah. And uh, Patricia Clarkson in there as well, who's from, generally from great. American Horror Story. Amongst other things, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, um, a little bit more of a classic shout, uh, from the 16th of May on Netflix, you Shaun of the Dead. Oh, great. Making an appearance on yeah, there. Yeah, nothing much to say about that, apart from it is one of the best horror comedies ever made. Yeah, it's pretty class. Get on it. But that's just about cool. it um, for uh, your streaming platform news this week. So if you're planning some viewing... Thanks very much for that, Mitch. No problem, no problem. I'm quite enjoying doing this. Well, there you go. You're taking it. I mean, I'm just sitting here talking now. I'm just talking shite while you actually deliver facts and information. <laughs> So I suppose it's time to turn our attentions to this week's show. Yeah. So our guest this week is um, filmmaker, podcaster, whole loads of other stuff. He's directed some music videos for some stuff that I really like. Also, uh, you might know him from the Bloomhouse podcast, Fear Initiative. Mm-hmm. And also, he is the director of uh, Contracted Phase 2. It's Mr. Josh Forbes. Yes, it is Josh. So, uh, Andy, what film has Josh chosen? Well, I'm going to cut to the chase, Mitch, and I'm going to tell you that the film that Josh has chosen is Contracted Phase 2. 
<laughs> and how has this happened? Well, regular listeners to the show will know that we have long discussed how much we would like a filmmaker to come on with one of their own films that is perhaps perceived in a similar light to the films that we would normally do. Yeah. And make the case for possible reevaluation. Yes. While at the same time allowing us the rope to do what we normally do. I think that this is a it's a gutsy move, I think, because I think so. Um I think that but also I think that it's a really cool thing because obviously I think you have to make certain certain admissions about um how your film's been received and stuff like that. But yeah, we have our first ever self defence episode of Strong Language and Violent Scenes this Friday. Is that what we're gonna go with? That's what I was calling it. Right, well that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Forbes, director of Contracted Phase 2, talks Contracted Phase 2 this Friday. <laughs> Which also stars our old pal Matt Mercer. Yeah, and a bunch of other really interesting people. I haven't seen this yet. I've seen Contracted, the first one. Right, sure. Um, right, yeah. Have you? Yes, I have, of yeah, course. Yeah, I'm yeah, a, yeah. So it's a body horror film, so of course I have. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. But Contracted Phase 2 has uh, thus far eluded me. Right. But, however, um, for anyone who wants to catch up with it before uh, Friday's episode, it is available from like, Amazon Video and stuff like that in the UK. Smashing. As is the original if you want to really get stuck in and um, check them both out you can smash through a double bill of those in under three hours yeah there's also a weird expensive double disc DVD set flying around okay uh, if you're on Amazon and eBay and stuff like that but yeah. it seems weirdly expensive okay well you know <laughs> If you're one of the world's four richest kings and fancy dropping some money on that, go for it. Uh, no, um, really looking forward to this. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, Josh Forbes talking his own film with us on Friday. How do you feel about this? Get in touch with us. All the usual channels are available. Facebook and Instagram. We are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can also email scenes at gmail.com. Yes, of course. And wherever you're listening, for there are many places. There are. I'm not going to list them all, but I will say Podbean are the best. Yeah. I would agree. For they are our hosts and our home. But whatever you're listening, please, please, please take the time to like, rate and review us. Particularly on iTunes, because our rates on iTunes are looking pretty low. It's embarrassing. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, guys. Have yeah. a sec. So even if you don't listen on iTunes, just go on and rate us and review us. Because <laughs> it does help us and it does raise our profile. Yeah, it does, it does make a huge difference. But thank you to everybody for listening and also everybody who's been spreading the word uh, whatever way. Whether it's uh, through one of those channels or just telling your pals. But really appreciate it. So this Friday, it's a case of self-defense. Josh Forbes, the director of Contracted Phase 2, talks Contracted Phase 2. Join us then if you can, it's going to be a cracker. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chance. Goodbye. Well, you got it right this time. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.